Hello, and welcome to the Heavenbound Podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and we are opening the Bible in search of fuel for your spiritual journey. This is where we talk about life, the way it was meant to be, and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus in the 21st century. Thanks for joining us on the journey today. Roger, we're talking this month about how the last book of the Bible, Revelation, helps us see. Absolutely. In our, in our first lesson, what we looked at was about how Jesus looks different in the book of Revelation than he does in the Gospels. And we, we talked about how in the book of Revelation, he is that triumphant king. He, he's the one who's going to defeat the, the forces of evil. Eventually, he'll defeat Satan himself. And, and, and that's an image of Jesus that sometimes people don't know about or want to think about. But Revelation really brings that out as we think about how powerful our Lord is. Now, this week, we're going to carry on with this idea of a view we get from the book of Revelation. We have been reading in the context of our church family this book of the Bible on Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Today's reading is Revelation 19. We're on the the back end of it. But it is fascinating just to look at the big picture and see that A book that intimidates many people actually is here to reveal, to help us see. And and it is that idea of seeing, of perspective that we really want to zero in on today. The view from heaven is oftentimes very different from the view here on earth. Roger, maybe we can start in Revelation 2 and 3, talking from the standpoint of the churches, those seven churches in Asia. For instance, in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 17, we hear the view from earth, right? There was this church in Laodicea, and Jesus himself says in Revelation 3, 17, you say of themselves, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. But Roger, how was the view from earth very different from the view in heaven? Well, God had a different perspective of that, and and, you know, although they thought that they were doing great, uh, God told those Laodiceans that they were wretched and poor and blind and they needed to buy things from him. They, they were considered lukewarm. And so when we think about that idea, it, it reminds us that the view from heaven is often not the view from earth. How we see ourselves is not always how God sees us. All right. So that's a negative example. Obviously, there are positive examples. Revelation 2, verse 9, for instance, Jesus begins talking to the church in Smyrna. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. It was hard to be a saint in Smyrna, clearly. And from an earthbound point of view, this is a poor church. These are poor saints. Jesus says, but you are rich, and then calls them, do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and for ten days you will have tribulation. Hard for many of us in 21st century America to imagine what the 
earthbound perspective would be, what it would look like just through physical eyes, Jesus says, be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Roger, when you hear that promise, what's that tell you about the view from heaven? God had a different view. I mean, you know, on earth, it was tough, and it would be very tough to be a Christian in those places. But God's saying, you're going to make it, and I've got something up here for you, and it was just a, a wonderful blessing. And so so once again, size doesn't matter. Once again, our, our wealth doesn't matter. Our faith in God is what's being shown through all these things here. Let me throw out one more church example, and then we'll move on to chapter 6 and 7. In Revelation 3, Jesus is talking to the church in Philadelphia, and he says, I know, Revelation 3, that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. There may be very well uh, people in the city of Philadelphia who are not believers, and as they look at this gathering of Christ followers, well, what in the world are they going to do? I, I don't know. It may be that in the eyes of other churches, they would look at the the gospel effort there in Philadelphia and think, well, you know, I maybe over here in Ephesus or maybe over here in Laodicea, we can look for great things. But Philadelphia, well, look at how small and little power they have. And yet it is a another reminder the view from heaven is often different from the view on earth. Roger, what else would you add to that from this great last book of the Bible? Well, when we go to chapter 6 and then flow into chapter 7, we again see this contrast. In chapter 6, it says in verse 9, the lamb broke the fifth seal. I saw underneath the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and because of the testimony which they had maintained. And they cried out with a loud voice saying, how long, O Lord, holy and true, will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth. There was given to each one of them a white robe, and they were told that they should rest for a little while longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who were to be killed, even as they had been, would be completed also. So these these were people who had been killed. They'd been martyred. And we would look from a human or earthly perspective that they lost. They died. And it looks like their life is over. But they're still speaking. They're speaking to the Lord. They're praying to the Lord. The Lord hears them. And when we flip the page of chapter 7, and we look at verse 9, and then John says, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could count, from every nation, all tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes. There's those white robes again. And palm branches were in their hands. And they cry out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessings and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. These are the ones who've come through the tribulation. These are the ones who the world says, we smacked you. We killed you. You don't exist anymore. But the view from heaven is your souls are up in heaven around the throne. You are right with God. 
What a different perspective. And we see that in life in so many different ways. You know, we, we, there, there's a view from the valley looking up. There's a view from the mountain looking down. We see on the ground an airplane high in the sky, and up in that airplane, those people are looking down, and they see all the earth from a 32,000-foot view. It's a different view, isn't it? And that's the concept we're trying to see here, because the world is always lopsided. The world does not have the right perspective and the right priorities, and they think that all that matters is who has the most toys, who has the most money, who has the most stuff. That's what really matters. But when this old life is over... That sure is a different picture, isn't it? Yeah. And so yeah. that's that's why we see in the book of Revan this wonderful view from heaven. I love conversations like this because what we're doing is <laughs> trying to rise above, okay, all of the numbers, all of the colors, all of the symbols, so easy as we're walking through this book to get lost in some of the vivid details. Last Friday, you compared it to a, a picture book. And, you know, I can open to page eight of the picture book and zero in on, okay, this green shade. And what does the green mean? Or why in this picture book are there three palm trees, but really that's not the point of the picture book. It's communicating big ideas, and it can be easy as we get into Revelation 6 and 7 to get lost in the weeds, but I love how you've you've just led us above that to, okay, death is not the end of my story. Even a tragic death at the hand of an abusive power is not the final word of my story. The view from heaven is very different from the view of earth. Let me add one more as we go to Revelation 13, for instance. This is maybe where we really begin to get confused. We we read in Revelation 13 about a beast that is rising out of the sea with ten horns and seven heads and ten diadems on its horns and blasphemous names on its heads. And it's described in a variety of different ways. By the time we get down to verse 4, we read about people saying, who is like this beast and and who can fight against it? In the second half of chapter 13, we read about a beast rising out of the earth and wreaking all kinds of havoc on the earth. Here, just earlier this week, we read from Revelation 17 about a, a great prostitute that is seated on many waters with whom the kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality and and with the wine of whose sexual immorality the dwellers on earth have become drunk and and she is riding on a beast and I mean, we can get lost in all of the different heads and shapes of these beasts and what they're like and how many crowns they're, they're wearing. But by the time we get to Revelation 18, we read about all of it falling. It doesn't matter what sort of beast of the sea or beast of the earth or great temptress is is captivating the entire world. In fact, in Revelation 18, we read about 
shipmasters and merchants weeping and wailing because it's all falling down. And in Revelation 19, it is the lamb and people who have followed the lead of the lamb who are rejoicing in heaven. Roger, as you read all about that, great calamities on the earth, but joy in heaven. What does that tell us? Well, you know, it reminds us of that hymn we sing, This World is Not Our Home. Yeah. And, and that's so true. And, and again, to what you said, uh, all of these words that God has in Revelation are important. And the diadems, the colors, and, and the horses, and all that has meaning. And, and God wants us to know those meanings. It's important. But we can get so lost in the details, we forget what we're at. And we, we can forget what this is all about. And the big picture of all this is that what we see from earth is not what we see from heaven. And it's that that dimension that we need to keep before us. You know, a couple of places in the Gospel of Luke, and, and this is not new to the Revelation. This, this is really found throughout the Bible. I mean, even in the Old Testament, we find this concept of heaven's view and earth's view not being the same. But in Revelation, Jesus would say, uh, do not fear the one who can kill the body and do no more. What's the worst thing somebody can do to you? Well, they can kill me. Yeah, then what? He can't do anymore. But right after that, Jesus says, fear the one who can kill the body and the soul in hell. God has a perspective. There's an eternal side that's greater than what man can do. We see that with the story of the rich man Lazarus in Luke 16. Now, from from the newscast side, if we were if we were anchormen and newsmen, and we went to report these two deaths, Lazarus died outside the gates, and the rich man died in his house. We would have all kinds of reporters about this rich man. Big house, he had gates, he wore purple. What a grand, grand person he was! What a great funeral he'd have. Tons of people would show up. Lazarus wouldn't even make a blip on the news. He was just a common poor guy nobody even knew about. But we go to the other side. We go to heaven's perspective. And there's a rich man in torment begging, probably for the first time in his life he ever begged. There's Lazarus being comforted in Abraham's bosom. So the perspective from heaven and earth are not the same. It makes me think of our summer series and really our our theme for the year. We've been walking through on Wednesday evenings this summer lyrics from In Christ Alone. And I, I want you to listen to this last verse in light of Revelation. I I think it is the big picture idea where the 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 hymn uh, reminds us no guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. In in light of all this talk of beasts and and false prophets and dragons, listen to these last few words. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ, I'll stand. Isn't that the point of the last book of the Bible? And I think to a group of people that were suffering, uh, they were small, they were kind of scattered out, they didn't have an army. Uh, Rome was the most 
powerful nation in the world at that time. Rome could crush any nation, and Rome was closing the doors in on Christians, and you might think, this is it. They're going to wipe us out. This is going to be the end of God's story, end of the kingdom, and Rome wins. And what Revelation says is, no, that's not true. Rome falls. Everyone who's pushing Rome's button, which is the devil, they're going to fall. And who's going to be triumphant are those who've endured, been faithful to God, and stayed with it to the very, very end. All right. That's a concept. So, Roger, I'm envisioning someone driving to work on Friday. They can't wait for the weekend to hit just a few more hours of work or someone that's mowing the grass Saturday morning. We've had their attention for the last 15 minutes or so. But, you know, there's a lot going on this weekend. There are a lot of things to do, a lot of opportunities. I mean, it's it's a great time to go camping. It's a great time to get out on the golf course. Is worship really that important? Roger, if you had 60 seconds or so to remind us of the view from heaven, how it's different from earth, how ought that to shape how I start this new week in front of me? It's going gonna, it's gonna to put Christ first. Worship matters. It does. And God's word are true, and we need to see that. And someday this old world's going to be over. And whether my yard is full of dandelions or it looks like something out of a magazine, in a 100 years, let alone in eternity, that will not matter. Whether I go golfing with my friends this weekend or worship God, that's going to matter because worshiping with God is going to put God before my eyes, going to remind me of this heavenly perspective. It's going to remind me what really matters in life, and that is that I'm walking with Jesus Christ. For those suffering saints in Revelation, it was walking with Jesus that made the difference, and that walking with Jesus is the same thing that makes a difference with us. And so it does. This is what it's all about. And again, you'll hear from the world's perspective, man, have some fun. It really doesn't matter. You can skip it. All these all these reasons, all these excuses. But when we put it through the eyes of heaven, man, this is the most important thing I can do. Roger, thanks for that reminder. Thanks for joining me today. And thanks to all of you for listening to the Heaven Bound Podcast. If you missed episode one in this Friday series, it's freely available wherever you access podcasts. We hope this episode has helped you set your mind on things above and given you a little more fuel for the journey. If it has, We'd love if you would take the opportunity to share it with someone who needs this reminder. The view from heaven is often very different from the view on earth. In the meantime, always remember when you're walking with Jesus, you're heaven bound and the best is yet to come.